This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled, Three Things My Parents Never Taught Me About Happiness. It is the first message of the series, By Happy. Please enjoy. Welcome to 12 Stone Across the Campuses. Glad you're here for week one of By Happy. Now, I would like to risk a, a, a rather blunt conversation, a, a rather blunt and missing conversation about our happiness. In fact, the absence of this conversation is costing us the kind of happiness that we're often in pursuit of and that God would love to give us. And so if we could just, if we could just risk this conversation, you know, if we could go after this, if we could listen, if we could learn, and then if we could live this out, then this could be God's most transforming season of time, moving toward the kind of the happiness, as it were, that, that, that we often say, man, if I could just have that in my life. So, so let me just start right off the top, and I'll own it. I'll start. I'll put my hand up. I want to be happy. Anyone else? I mean, if you're like cross caps, you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, who? Let me do it again. Some of you might not be getting How many of you want to be happy? You're like, yeah, I don't know in life. Because what's the alternative, right? Oh, no, I want to be unhappy. I'm just keeping my hand out. And one of the ways, uh, one of the, the things that contribute to happy uh, when I was growing up was food. I mean, food just adds to happy. Like when we were growing up, if you were losing, food would at least help console you, make, make you a little happy. If you're winning, add food. It, it, it makes you more happy even while you're winning. <laughs> And if you're bored, add food. I mean, food will help you when you're bored. And, and, and if, you're, if you're hanging out with family, then you need food. Food just makes kind of hanging out, fellowship, be with each other all the better. If you're watching TV or a movie, food. Food really, really adds to it. And so these days, it's even gotten easier because of Uber Eats. I'm telling you, just a click away and you can buy happy. And I missed a meal and I'm thinking, <laughs> I could be right here while I'm preaching and all I got to do is hit a button and I could have food and I'd be happier. <laughs> so I'm now on Uber Eats and you're thinking he's not serious. He's right there. I'm moving right through it. I'm like, yep, McDonald's, it's close by. And I'm telling you, it's breakfast all day. And breakfast is good all day, any day. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody, I can appreciate breakfast all day. And then there's nothing like, where is it? A bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddle. Whew. Come on now. Come on, some of you getting a happy experience with me. Only this is just for me, so you know. And yeah, I need, to, I need the whole meal. Let's do the meal. The guy had me some Diet Coke, because that's just right. And then the best part, you push a little send, place order, and boom. There we go. Some of you think you are kidding. Nope, production. Uh, there, everybody say, hey, Bruce. Hey, Bruce, uh, I told you I might do something. There it is. Take my phone, follow it for me. In fact, you want to mirror it, that's fine. I just want to know how it's coming and when it gets here. 
because I'm already getting to a happy place. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, you just click a button and you're like on your way to a happy place. In fact, I got a little bit of endorphin rush happening already kicking in and anticipation of it coming. That's just going to make me a little bit more happy. So while Mickey D's and Uber does their thing, um, we kind of need to get into the teaching. So I got to get on my notes. What am I teaching? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can buy happy. Now, listen, you can buy happy with food, but you can buy happy with other stuff, right? Can you say Amazon? <laughs> I have an Amazon account. Anybody else? Are you kidding me? All you got to do is click. And you have your own personal Christmas. It is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, we just get drunk. We're like, yes. And it shows up and it's got your name on it. It's like happy birthday to me. <laughs> Or you get your stuff, you're like, oh, a little shot of happiness. You know, I've heard people say, don't pursue happiness. I've heard people say in church, man, don't pursue happiness. I disagree. In fact, I, I, if you'll get, keep this in context, I think Jesus disagrees. I think Jesus says pursue happiness. Why do I say that? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, where it begins. I mean, God in flesh, Jesus. Now, God among us says, happy are those who fill in the blank. He teaches the whole beatitude section. It's deep. It's insightful. But that word is happy, fortunate, blessed are the people who live like this. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, dismiss happy. He was saying, actually, go get it. Now, be honest with you. You may have to redefine happy. You, we, we, we may have to discover God's definition of happy. We need a better definition of happy. And we need a better map to get to God's size kind of happy. And that's what we're going to do over these five weeks. And then Jesus went out of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus in chapter 6 began to give us insights into happy. And with that, to, to kind of reveal some of the dangers and the very things that would destroy happy. So if you have the ears uh, to kind of hear and engage, grab your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Worship Center Bibles here in the room are right underneath your chair. Just reach right on your chair, uh, pull out a Bible or the one next to you, and uh, turn over to page 971 across the campuses. Worship Center Bible, page 971. Mobile device, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start reading at verse 19. Here in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us some insight. Do not store up for yourselves, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we got this treasures on earth and treasures in heaven conversation going on. So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So now, now Jesus is recognizing that we're in this treasure hunt thing and there's treasure in heaven, treasure on earth. And you got to make some decisions about what you pursue and where your values are. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So now he's painting a deeper picture, like, you, you better make sure you understand what happiness looks like and how you handle it and how you chase it. In a world that says treasures on earth is happy, and then, but he's, he's, he's resetting some things, what really is happy with this whole treasures in heaven. He goes on and wraps it up in verse 24, this first section. Do not, you no one can serve two masters. So you can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, Jesus is talking to followers. 
So the assumption is you believe in God, you're a follower of Jesus, and you want the truth. And God is giving us, in a sense, a definition of happy, but with it, a better map to how you get happy. And he lays out a command. Lay up treasure in heaven. Huh. Lay up treasure in heaven. In other words, if you want to be happy on earth, live for heaven. You might need to jot that down. If you hadn't pulled your teaching notes out, it's nowhere in your notes, but you can put it in your notes. If you want to be happy, live for heaven. If you want to be happy, live for what? Heaven. Let's do it again with a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> if you want to be happy, live for what? Heaven. See, you got, you got to figure out, well, if I'm going to be happy, how do I get there? Well, you're, you're going to have to live for heaven, is what he's saying. Now, you may not fully understand all that he's saying. You might not even buy in to what Jesus is saying. But he's setting it in motion right off the top. That what you really chase is God. What you really chase is heaven. That heaven is not a figment of our imagination. It's our destination. That this right here, this life here, is not your home. This is a hotel. You're temporarily here. You're just passing through. So right off the top, there's a reorientation to what happy is and, and how you chase it. And if you're going to pursue happy, you're going to have to pursue heaven. And, and that's going to be evidenced by laying up treasures in heaven. Interesting. But honestly, we're all kind of into this treasures on earth. If we're going to be honest and we're going to have some honest dialogue, said so we'll risk some honest dialogue, we're kind of into the treasures on earth. I mean, we sort of believe you can, you can buy happy here. And, and, and we can play that out. We're like, oh, maybe, maybe what I can do is I can have all of heaven and all of earth. I mean, that, if we're honest, if we're, and we're going to have honest, if we're honest, don't we think it kind of a little bit of both? Like, like, yeah, I want all of heaven and I want all of earth. I want all treasure in heaven. I want treasure on earth. I mean, we can play this out and demonstrate that, that on earth we think you can, you can buy happy. So I need, I need someone up here. I, I need a volunteer. I, I got a little cash and I need a volunteer. I need somebody, somebody who's under 40. I'll, I'll get somebody who's probably going to say, I know what to do with this. But you got to get up here fast. If you're not up here fast, we're not going to do this. All right. You're up here fast. Now, uh, what's your name? Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Nice to meet you. I'm Kevin. Uh, Jordan, uh, I have, I just, this is a little test. Uh, I have some cash in my hand. I'm thinking of putting some in yours. Does that make you happy at all in any way? Yes, it does. That's what the smile's for. All right. Put both hands out like this. Just put both hands out like this. Okay. All right. I'm going to put a I'm going to put 100 in that one. I'm just going to lay it there, and I'm going to lay a 20 in that one, okay? Now, if I let you, I'm going to let you walk away with one of those, and I don't care which one. It can be the 20, or it can be the 100. <laughs> you get to pick. Which one would you like? You can go with the 100. You're looking at me like, this is really a dumb test, right? Like, like pass, fail, you, you're going to pass. So you sure about that? Because you could have the 20, but you want the more. All right. Well, I'll take the 20. You take the 100. Just put it in your pocket. Now, you got to answer a question for me. Does taking the 100 make you more happy? Yes. It does. And that may give her a hand. Thank you very much. Well done. Job done. Have a seat. In other words, what we understand in this world is, well, you can buy happy. She just proved it. Walk up here. You didn't have it. Now you do. You're like, hey, that makes me more happy. All right. And, and more makes you happy. See, big test. Now, the interesting thing is you just kind of wonder, 
Oh, did Jesus just say that, that, that when you get the money, that you would be more happy if you used that to lay up treasure in heaven? Like that, that the real happy wouldn't be getting it, but it would be leveraging it, giving a portion of it, uh, offering, blessing others. I, interesting. Is that, do we believe that? Because that's what God just said. By the way, speaking of happy, production, uh, how we doing? Like, are we anywhere? Do you, are you, you got my, oh, oh, good. Some of you are like, this ain't really happening. Oh, no, it's happening. It's happening. It's kind of on my mind. I'm in my little happy place. Are we eight minutes or however it's taking. Good, good. Just keep it going. Yeah, we take that off because that's going to distract people even though I'm distracted. <laughs> my happy's on its way. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Sorry, there's none for you. But let's move on. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, summarized how Jesus was, was offering uh, insight in this teaching. Uh, and, and I think it's really a fair picture. He said, if you look at verses 19, 20, 21, th- those three verses that we just read, Jesus is talking about materialism that tends to grip your heart. And then in verses 23 and 24, uh, 22, 23, really, he's, he's, he's talking about how materialism tends to grip your mind and how, how it clouds, clouds your mind. And so it, it, you get darkened by the thinking of this world and you can't actually see clearly to make great decisions. Materialism has an effect like that. And then and, and the last verse we read, verse 24, he says, that's really materialism getting a grip on your will. And you begin to exercise your will to chase materialism rather than God. It's really, I think it's a fair summary. So let me tell you what we're doing in this series. Today, we're going to sit a little bit in verse 24. We just want to understand what was God teaching us in verse 24. And then next week, we're going to move it up in, 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 into the two verses above it. And in verse 22 and 23, we're going to unpack that. And then the third week, we're going to unpack verses 19, 20, and 21. So we're going to move through this scripture, and there's insight for us. And then after that, in week four, we're going to have a, a town hall Q&A. And, and that's just those moments when we love to get down and dirty, practical. We got pressures about money and, 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 and finance and worry and, and, and how do you manage it and what is happy really and how do you deal with that in the practical of life. And we're going we're gonna to go into that. It's going to be powerful and healthy helpful and meaningful. And then the final week, week five, we're going to sit in verses 25 to 34, the rest of chapter six. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes after, look, you have all kinds of pressure and you have all kinds of worry. Nobody can be happy with pressure and worry when it comes to money. So what does Jesus know that we need to know? And he wraps it with seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that actually mean? How, how do you, when you tend to worry, and you can't get to happy, what is Jesus teaching? So this five weeks is going to be powerful for us. And, and so we're going to go after that and, and help us with happy. And you know what's kind of on my mind? I saw the number was ticking down. Are we making any, they're kind of waving at me. Are we making any progress at all? Oh, hey, the car's moving. I love it when the car's moving. You know what I'm saying? You just get on the app and it shows like, like okay, so he's on his way. Okay, get, get, the, get that off there while I think it about You know what? I can't hardly think about anything else. So I keep getting this McGriddle thing going on in my head. I'm struggling with it. Well, we all struggle with the definition of, of, of happy. And, and, you're, and I'm inviting us to kind of battle through this definition of happy. Because if, 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 if it could buy happiness, I mean, haven't we had enough people say, oh, I've, I've won the Super Bowl, but it's not, it's, it, I'm empty. That's it? That's it? I get a Super Bowl ring? I achieve? And they talk about the emptiness. And then rich people say, hey, that, the world's lied to me. That, that doesn't provide, that's not fulfilling. That doesn't do what they said. 
So I want to give you something today. I think this will help us. I want to give you three things my, my parents never taught me about happiness. And, and, and they sit inside some of the things Jesus is teaching us here. Now let me say, my parents were not Christians uh, when they met. They met in high school. Got pregnant in high school. Both dropped out of high school. Had the first baby. 18 months later, the second baby. 18 months later, the third. That was me. By 20, my high school dropout parents were poor and had three kids. And we were poor from then on. When my parents were uh, three years old, when I was three years old, rather, my parents came to faith in Jesus and we were in the church uh, ever, ever since. And yet, curiously, this being in the church didn't resolve this happiness, poor kind of family battle. I'd pour through childhood and teen years and into adulthood, college and all that. And then the divorce happened in middle school and by high school. I'm with my mom and my younger sister and my older brothers and dad lived separately somewhere else. We were on government subsidized um, housing and food stamps. I, I remember just looking around at the, the, the people around me who had stuff, had more, and we had nothing. I just remember just saying in my soul, man, I'm going to get out of here someday, and I'm going to get some success, and I'm going to get stuff, and then I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to have the 20. I'm going to have the 100, and, and then I'm going to be happy, Right? I mean, isn't it, is that how it works? Is that it? I, if, I, if I get more stuff, I'm going to be happy? Is, it, is, is that how it's going to work? See, and there are three things my parents never taught me about happiness. Maybe because it's, they, they never knew them. Maybe they knew them, but if they knew them, they didn't live them. And I see production. They're waving at me. So what does that mean? Does that, oh, is it, does it mean it's here? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I think it's here. So, yes, go out. They're waving. Yes. Okay. All right. Some of you are like, this is not happening. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> this is happening right now, and this is real, because this is like the height of happiness for us, isn't it? It's, it's like, you know, just before Christmas presents, when you're about to open them up, or, or when you're about to go on vacation, or, 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 or when you get that thing you've been waiting for. Okay, the car's coming around. See, they, they gave directions to the guy and, and, and made sure that he pulled around, and had it's Uber Eats time. I'm just all fired up for a little McGriddle. How you doing, man? Doing? Good. What you got for me here? Guy, go. uh, Diet Coke. You got me a McGriddle. You, you, listen, you making me happy. You making me happy. Thanks much. Hey, what's your name? Jairus. Jairus. Yes, sir. Jairus, good to meet you, my friend. Now, listen, we, we, you've been helping us today, and, and I discovered you had some kids, and, like, and, and we blessed you a, a little bit, because I want you to be happy. You made me happy. We made you happy, right? But you know what? We're not done making you happy. Literally, here's $250, way above your normal tip to say, my friend, bless you. Now, let me ask you something. Does that make you happy? And you go bless your kids, all right, buddy? It's great to know you. You thank you for making me happy. We want to make you happy. Have a blessed day. See, church, isn't that a lot of fun? That's just great fun. See, we've gotten to, to recognize that, that we can bless other people. It makes them happy. I can get myself a, a little bit of McGriddle. 
a little Diet Coke, and that'll make me happy. And you're thinking, he is not doing this. Oh, yeah, he is. He's walking back on the stage with his McDonald's. Yes, I am. Thank you so much to Uber Eats. And you know what? I, I played a little bit with this Uber Eats stuff. In fact, I'll be honest, we had, we, we had some Mexican brought to our house, so some Mexican food this past week. It was fantastic. I didn't even get out of my pajamas. <sighs> And then I thought, I wonder, I wonder how much stuff you can get with Uber Eats. And I, I want some cupcakes. <laughs> so I just got on there and boom. <laughs> 20 minutes, I had cupcakes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to fall in love with this stuff right here. <sighs> of course, I did mention, you know, food's a happy place. And this right here, speaking of treasures in heaven... <laughs> This has to be close. I mean, no way you're going to convince me that heaven's heaven and there's no bacon, egg, and cheese wrapped in the equivalent of a pancake. Totally decalorized. Excuse me. Oh. Mmm. Mmm. I don't even know why you're clapping, but that's what's happening in my mouth right now. It's dancing. Mm. Mm. I wish I had enough for all of you, but I don't. (laughs) I've just enough for me. And Diet Coke, how's that not going to be in heaven? Mm. Which brings me to my first point. Going to be all right. Pray for her. (laughs) The first thing my parents never taught me. See, the McGriddle can fill me. It just can't fulfill me. See, in two, three, four, five hours, I'm going to be hungry again. I'm going to be empty. And I got to know the difference in life between what is filling and what is fulfilling. Yeah? See, the very first thing my parents never taught me about happiness, let's put it on the screen. Jot it down. It's in your notes. Money can buy happy moments, but not a happy life. Come on. You get, you, if you don't wrap your head around this, you'll never get this happiness thing down in life. You never figure it out. This thing is so missing in our world and sometimes even right here among us. Money can buy happy moments, but not a happy life. Money can buy happy what, church? Moments. Say it again. Money, money can buy happy what? Moments, but not a happy what? Of course not. See, happy moments, they fill you for a moment. And they can be fun for a moment. But they do not fulfill you. We live in a world that says money can't buy happiness. And I, and I know why we say it. We all know why we say it. But then we have this comedic response. And so I love what the comedian Daniel Tosh uh, said about this. Check it out. Don't you love that one? Money doesn't buy happiness. Do you live in America? Because it buys a wave runner. You ever seen a sad person on a wave runner? Have you? Seriously, have you? Seriously, have you? Try to frown on a wave runner. 
They're so awesome. It's just throttle. People smile as they hit the pier. <laughs> oh, this is funny. And, and we got to clear up a couple of things that are misleading in our culture. The first one is the world has said some very misleading, if not flat out dishonest things. And that is that money really can't buy happiness. The world feeds that. They, they, they breathe it through the advertisement. They stir discontent so that we'll recognize that we should be discontent. We need more of that stuff. But the reality is, the reality is money can't buy happiness. If it would, every time we got more, we'd be satisfied. In other words, it doesn't, listen, more doesn't make you happy. It makes you want more. It, whatever house you got last doesn't make you happy because in time you want more. And if the next one could have made you happy, the last one would have. It can't give you a happy life. It just makes you want more. More house, more car, more clothes, more stuff. More money in the bank, whatever is the more you want. But, but more only makes you want more. Money, listen, money does not have the power to give you a happy life. So don't ask money to do what it cannot do. For example, if you're a parent and you have children and they say, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. You, you, you don't say, oh, you're right. It's about dinner time. Well, I want you to go to the dinner table and I want you to get your Bible and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. I want you to read through that now, honey. I'm still hungry. <laughs> of course they are. Be, listen, because God's word is not food for your stomach. It's food for your soul. You got to know what it can do and what it can't do. See, just like it would be equally silly. If your kid came to you and said, I'm just deep down unhappy. Now, no kid says it that way. In fact, teenagers don't say it that way. They just reveal it in the way they live. Maybe once you get into college and 20s, you start acknowledging it. Maybe in your 30s or your 40s, you, you, you use those words. And when you come to the reality that you are soul unsettled, you don't need someone to say to you, well, now you go get yourself. Are you, are you deep down unhappy? Go get you a McGriddle. Come on. Get you a McGriddle. Take it down. Now, right now, will make you happy. But you, listen, it might get you a happy moment. But the reality is all McDonald's can do is give you a happy meal. Not a happy life. You got to know the truth. And there's another side of some of this dishonesty. And some of it's from the religious world or the church world. Well, we pretend like there is just no fun in having money, just anti-money. Don't you pretend like, did you pretend like that money had fun? Don't you do that. And here we're anti-stuff. No, we're not. Don't you live in the real world? It can buy a wave runner. I mean, that's fun. Listen, God is the author of material things. Not materialism. Material things. And he gives them. Enjoy what he gives you. It's fun. Just know the difference between fun and fulfillment. Get them in the right order. 
Understand what money can do and what money cannot do. And that's why it's important, if not critical, that you figure out what sits at the bottom of your teaching notes. And that is, that is, if you will, a redefinition, a rethinking, a retraining of myself when it comes to what is happy. Look at the bottom of your teaching notes. Because what God's teaching us from this whole scripture we just read is that if you're going to chase happy, you're going to have to chase God first. Those verses from 19 to 24 are about chasing God first. It's the overarching theme of this whole section in Matthew chapter 6. And I wrote in the bottom of your notes, truly happy is a God-first life with purpose and meaning that is soul-fulfilling. See, that's all rooted in God. God is the source of happiness. It begins right there. Let me ask you something. Are you asking money to do what it cannot do? I told you this would be a rather high-risk conversation that's blunt and honest to God. In fact, if we're honest, we often chase happy moments to cover over an unhappy life. Are you chasing money and spending money as if it could give you a happy life? We all battle this. And Jesus' words are a come to Jesus moment. And you go, don't you wonder? How do we get in so much trouble and get so undone financially when we have access to such good financial principles? I mean, why doesn't it work? People like Ron Blue, a couple years ago, I sat down here, did a series with Ron Blue, Mastering Your Money book. Man, he gave us five principles from God's word. Let me put them on the screen as a reminder. If you weren't here, this is powerful, practical, biblically Accurate, this is how you live, this is how you handle money. Spend less than you earn. Number two, avoid the use of debt. Number three, build margin. In other words, save. Number four, set long-term goals. Number five, give generously. I mean, those five, they're all through scripture. It's in Ron's book, Master Your Money. We, we did, in fact, we bought the books and gave them to everybody 12 stone. And, 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 and you just, if you study it, even Dave Ramsey, I mean, it's gonna be that list. So, so why is it When we have access to that kind of financial management, understanding, and wisdom. It's so clear. It's so simple. It's so easy. How come we're no better off? Well, there's a second thing my parents never taught me about happiness. Here it is. Drop it down in your notes. Managing money is mostly managing yourself. Managing money is mostly managing who? Yourself. Couldn't hear you. Mostly managing who? You see... All kinds of people spend effort learning how to manage money. They read the books. They come to the series. They go to conferences. But they're no better off six months, a year down the road, two years, five years down the road. They're in the same mess. Why? Because it's not the managing money that's the issue. It's that managing money is mostly managing who? Yourself. You can know the principles of managing money, but if you can't manage yourself, it won't matter because the challenge is yourself. You got to say more no's to yourself than yeses. Hello, right? I mean, you can't just know the principle but not be able to control yourself because that's where all the pressure is. My dad worked in upholstery. When I was nine years old, and we, we lived in rental homes our entire life. My parents never owned, even after they divorced, never owned their own place. And my dad worked in upholstery, and, and, and he was a minority, real minor owner of this upholstery business. Uh, and, and I remember when I was nine, it was the first time I ever held $1,000. 
My dad said to me, I remember, I, he said, son, have you ever seen or held a thousand dollars? I mean, no, you would know. <laughs> of course not. Would you like to? I would. I would. And he pulls it out and he lays it in my hand. One hundred, two hundred, three hundred, a thousand dollars. That's when secretly I knew my dad was rich. What I didn't know, which took many, many years later, decades before I figured it out, why we were always poor, is because whatever came in always went out as fast as it came in. Stay with me. Stay with me. In the business he worked, it's feast and famine. So, so it would be famine because they were long jobs. But then when they got finished, he would get the payday for all of it. And when it all came in, just the way our, my parents handled money, when it all came in, it all went out. I mean, it's party time. It's spend it all. Let's wipe it all. It's awesome. And, it, and it's all gone. All came in, all gone. Very little ability to say no to ourselves. If you can't say no to yourself, then you don't have a really good shot at happy. A few months later, these people came to our house and they were taking stuff out of our house and it was just a rental. We didn't have much, but what we had, they were taking. And that's when mom explained bankruptcy to me. I knew we were poor. And ever since. See, I don't know if my parents ever knew this principle that managing money is mostly managing yourself. But if they knew it, they didn't live it. See, in, in verse 24 of Matthew 6, it says you can't serve both God and money. You're going to have to manage yourself here. Who's the lead in your life? That's self-management. I mean, how do you handle $1,000 to have the best chance at happy? It's a fair question. So I want to play something out with you. I'm just going to grab $1,000 here, and we're going to play out. Well, what is the best way? What do you do with $1,000? So here's 10 $100 bills, 1000 bucks. What's, what's, what's the best way? Well, the first thing you have to settle is, what is my source of happiness? My what, everybody? Source. Say it again. My what? Source. What is my source of happiness? Now, I'll just put it in context how I understand Scripture and God's application in, 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 in the Bible and into our life is we honor God with the first because God is first. And if God is the source of happy, then that to me is laying up treasure in heaven. That, that's kind of where it all begins because I got to know what is my source of happy. Now, in the Old Testament, they would use the, the term the tithe as, as, as the first 10% as the law honoring God. I think it's a benchmark for giving back to God in the kingdom of God in the New Testament. But So that's where it starts. And what that settles is, God, you're first. You are my source of of happiness. You are my provider, my peace, my protection. It all begins and ends with you. This is how I set a definition for happy. Now, what do I do with the next hundred? The next hundred goes right here in this second cup, if you will. This is the happy fund. This, this is margin. Listen, this is where money begins to work for you. This is, when people say, I'm trying to get ahead, this is how you get ahead. You're not getting ahead unless you have margin, un unless you put something away that works for you, that's yours. This is what helps you. In fact, you know stuff's going to break in life, so eventually you want to build up enough margin that when stuff breaks in your lifestyle, you can afford it. And if you do really well, you have enough margin that you can actually 
put more treasure in heaven and you can move it this way. And what do you do with the next eight $100 bills? Well, that becomes lifestyle. So that just goes right here in this jar. That this is your lifestyle. This is be happy and content with what you have. This is, this is how you cover your taxes and cover your house and cover your car and cover your clothes, cover your family. This is your lifestyle. Now, this is where all the managing of self is, is because down here we live in a world that says more is how you buy happiness. And if you can buy happiness, then you're going to spend more. And so we buy more house than we can afford, more car than we can afford. In fact, we slip out the credit card then and we drop it right in here and say, oh, I'm going to do a little bit more. Because deep down we get drawn into the world that says buy happiness is how you get happiness. And so I'm going to have a happy life if I do more. Do that long enough and what actually occurs is that you're living on more than 80%. In fact, pretty soon you're under such financial pressure you slip right down here to the God thing. You're like, you know what? God, I don't think you need that as much as I do. And you just bring it right here into lifestyle. Oh, you're still, you're still in church and you're still giving God the name. Oh, you're still like, oh yeah, God, no, God, you are my happiness, even though the jar's empty and it's all down here for me. You can't serve two masters. Adding God language to a materialistic lifestyle doesn't really change anything. It's what my family ever, never really taught me. When it comes to happiness, you do this long enough while you keep sliding that credit card and pretty soon you're, you're taking that from margin too. you're like, you know what? I don't have margin <laughs> because I need all that margin just to pay the credit card bills. Cause I keep living on 105, 110, 115, 120%. Come on now. And I still have all the understanding of what should be the order but I have the lifestyle right down here that produces so much pressure that pretty soon I get frustrated with God because he's not making my life happy. I get frustrated when stuff breaks because I have no margin to cover it. In fact, I get kind of angry and under pressure in my marriage and my family and then I get mad at my job because they didn't pay me enough and I, then I, I start pushing my pressure everywhere. And I cannot see that the very thing I'm chasing to make me happy is making me unhappy. See, like, when I was in my 20s, my body um, processed and burned off food really well. Something happened in my 30s. It quit doing that. I gained 40 pounds in the decade of my 30s. I put 205 pounds on this 5'8 frame. Didn't look good. Made me frustrated. I didn't talk about it that way. I was unhappy. But see, I'm unhappy, and so I need to have happy moments. And part of the thing that made me happy was eating. <laughs> so I would eat. And when I would eat, I would feel happy. But what would happen soon after? I would be less fit and more unhappy. And my unhappiness would drive me to want to have happy moments. So therefore, I would go eat more. Because that made me, are you getting this? Is this, am I connecting with anybody? We, we being honest together. And that happens there. And the problem was not, I didn't know less food and more workout would help. I just couldn't manage self. And that's true in our money. In fact, the reality is, if you live out B-U-Y happy, if you live by happy, then it will equal B-Y-E happy. Goodbye to real happy. 
if you think you can buy happy because you will dig a hole that's unrecoverable. Truly happy is a God-first life with purpose and meaning that is soul-fulfilling. The third thing, my parents never taught me about happiness, is that there's only one first place. Jot it down. There's only one what? Only one first place. See verse 24? I'll go right back to it. No one can serve two masters. Listen, you can't serve both God and money. You can't. You can't give God first place and materialism first place. You can't. That's why he says, either you will hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word for money is mammon. It's an Aramaic word. It's used only four times by Jesus alone in scripture here in Matthew 6 and in Luke 16. It is properly translated money or riches. So that's accurate. But some believe the deeper underneath it is that it really means a spirit of materialism. That you get caught and owned by a spirit of materialism. And you cannot see that while you say God is first, you live. Money is first because money is materialism. And, and, and it's wrapped up inside your soul. and has such a grip on you. That your words God is first is empty. And you live money is first in materialism. And that is a serious battle, and it's out of order. And listen, getting this out of order makes it impossible for God to bring about the happy life he's created us to experience. I was on a trip several years back, long trip, long driving trip, and, and all I needed was a restroom and a Diet Coke. You, you know what I mean? Like you're sometimes on those trips. You're like, That's all I, I don't want to stop and go to a gas station. I don't want to get in traffic. I don't want to get off the expressway. So I wait until I finally got to a rest stop. When I got to the rest stop, here's what I found at the Coke machine. You ready? Yeah. Out of order. Doesn't that drive you nuts? I mean, it just drives you nuts. It's just like, hey, that machine was created to dispense happiness and it's out of order. Listen, when your priorities in life are out of order, God cannot dispense the happiness he's created us to experience. As I turn this service over to the campus pastors, look at those three in your teaching notes. Which one do you most need to learn and live? Money can buy happy moments, but not a happy life. Is that yours or is it managing money is mostly managing yourself? Is that the big deal? And you got to start saying more no's and very select yeses. Or is it the third? There's only one first place. And are you willing to retrain yourself? That's why I put it at the bottom of the notes. Truly happy is a God-first life with purpose and meaning that is soul-fulfilling. So bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, these are indeed somewhat risky conversations. They confront things in us. And deep down, we, we all desire to be happy. But God, we need your definition of happy and we need your map to get there. We need a better happy and a better map. And we're affected by this world. And you're inviting us to something more. God, I want to pray for those, some who are saying, well, God, that first one's me. I, I, need to, I need to battle this and wrestle this down, that money can buy happy moments, not a happy life. And God, I, I, think, I think I'm stuck in that one. 
I think, I, I think I'm stuck and it can buy a, a happier life and I, I'm chasing it that way and I'm trying to get money to do what it cannot do. Dear God, would you transform my thinking and therefore my living? Some of us right now are just admitting to you and confessing that managing money is mostly managing myself. And God, I'm not doing so good on managing myself. I, I'm not exercising good self-control. I can't say no. I'm not saying no. I'm running a credit card. I'm flipping out cash. I'm pushing click to buy just to get moments of happiness. And it's the very thing that's making me unhappy. God, I'm just in a unfortunate, vicious cycle. And you're helping me see it. Would you help me stop it? Oh, God, would you help us stop it? As we chase you, would you let the fruit of the Spirit self-control pour more deeply in our lives? Help us to courageously own this with those really close to us who would help us and encourage us. Maybe this is a new marriage conversation, a new family conversation. Maybe some, the prayer is, God, I'm, I'm messing up. There's only one first place, and I keep saying you're first, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't think you are. I think I call you first, but you are dethroned in my life by materialism. It's just true. And that's taken a lot of courage for some people right now to own that, but that, God, is where you can transform us. Would you in this day, through this week, and over this five weeks, would you transform us into a people that understands truly happy, that it, it's you first. It's with purpose and meaning knit in you and how to find soul fulfillment in you. This is not easily won. It's not quickly won. It's not just, it's just not gained in a moment and forever sustained. This is the battle we are often in. So God, would you do this work in our lives? Would you make this the most transforming season? Would we be a people who experience the truth of real happiness, unlike anyone else around us, and therefore live like nobody else. In such a way that you get the honor and the glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.